Francis and Lisa Chan had not been married long when they started to think that their marriage needed to have more of an outward focus rather than an inward focus. And we started letting people in the home and having people actually live with us. And ministry was in the house and our kids saw it. And the kids saw the miracles in these people's lives and the life change. And discipleship was happening 24 hours a day in our home. I mean, we were missional. We were praying and saying, God, what do you want us to do with this house? Like everything is with an open hand. But I think that's what so few couples do is they don't say, Lord, what do you want? Instead, they think, what do we want? And how can I justify that biblically? This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. God can do some amazing things in the lives of couples and families who start to realize that marriage is about more than just the two of you. We'll talk to Francis and Lisa Chan about that today. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Wednesday edition, the last day of our 30-day oneness prayer challenge during the month of September. We had lots of couples praying together every day as husband and wife. We've been sending out prayer prompts every day via text message and email and through our My Family Life app. And even though this is the last day for those of us who have been along all during the month of September, If you want to start your own 30-day oneness prayer challenge, you can do that today. Go to familylifetoday.com, click the link in the upper left-hand corner of the screen that says go deeper and look for information on the 30-day oneness prayer challenge and sign up to get prayer prompts for the next 30 days and start praying together every day as husband and wife. And for those of you who are wrapping up the prayer challenge with us today, our focus is on your legacy the fact that you will be ancestors to a generation you will not see. And so we're encouraging husbands to pray, thanking God for those who have influenced you and your life in good and godly ways, and to help keep you mindful that you're shaping your legacy every day in the way that you live and by the choices you make. And then we're encouraging wives to pray that God would make yours a godly legacy of love and purpose for generations to come. And if you have taken part in the 30-Day Oneness Prayer Challenge, we'd love to hear from you about how God used this daily discipline of praying together uh, in your marriage. Drop us a note. Let us know. Uh, Again, find more information about how to get in touch with us online at familylifetoday.com or call us at 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. Now, we have had uh, Francis and Lisa Chan joining us this week, and it's been fun to get a little dirt on this couple, you know, uh, I mean, on their marriage. Well, and... on Francis. <laughs> <laughs> on Francis. I, That's I, true. I don't know that we've got any dirt I on Lisa. I don't think we've heard much on, on Lisa. Well, uh, we don't have any more time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thanks. Francis and Lisa Chan have written a book, You and Me Forever, and uh, it's all about uh, marriage in light of eternity. In fact, you say something in your book, Francis, I want you just to comment on here. You say that it's important to love Lisa in light of eternity. Hmm. Explain to our listeners what you mean by that statement. Yeah, it's the same thing that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then I'm above all men most to be pitied. 
Like, I, I would live completely differently if there's no forever, if there's no eternity. Then let's just enjoy, let's just eat, drink, be merry, let's just have a great little family, have a great time here on earth, and just think about us. But no, because there's a forever, now how do I love her in the greatest way? And because you're accountable to uh, the God who made (laughs) us. Yes, and made her for a reason. Right. And and, And he made this marriage for a reason. It was for him. Everything was created by him and for him. And so we, we, I mean, this is what differentiates, is supposed to differentiate us from the rest of the world is that we're not living for this life. Mm-hmm. It's not about your best life right now. It's about, no, <laughs> I'm thinking about the future. I'm storing up treasure in heaven. That's why I says, don't, don't waste your time just building up and storing up treasures on earth where someone's going to steal it or it's going to fall apart. You got to insure it, everything else. Mm-hmm. Store up this treasure in heaven. Really believe that you're going to be rewarded a hundred times anything you sacrifice. And so if I'm thinking about Lisa's forever and her future, then I'm going to live a lot differently right here. Lisa, I had the opportunity a number of years ago to go to a group of friends, and I said, if you were going to share a passage from the Bible about marriage with a couple just getting started, and it couldn't be Ephesians 5, Mm -hmm. couldn't be 1 Peter 3, couldn't be Colossians 3, kind of the big ones that we all go to, couldn't go there, what passage would you would you share with them? And two guys that I asked the question to independently gave me the same verse, and it was one that really surprised me. It was out of Psalm 34. They said, I used this verse to propose to my wife. And it was the verse that says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Mm -hmm. They said, we wanted to start our marriage saying, this is what we're getting married to do to magnify the Lord together and exalt his name together. That's the mission. That's the purpose statement for our marriage. And I thought to myself, I want to go back and do it over. I want to I want to propose with that verse in mind because I wasn't smart enough when I got married to have that at the center of what I was all about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I just spoke last week for a group with um, young moms and I was reminding them, you know, you are more than a mother. You are more than a wife. You are a child of God. You are here for him. And I know we're talking about marriage right now, but I was trying to get them to think outside of, even just in their everyday life, you belong to God and you're here, like it says in Ephesians 2.10, I think it is, you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance, right? Well, afterward, one of the moms comes up and she just says, you know, my husband and I, we both work full time, you know, we're kind of stuck. We have these jobs and this house and these cars and... We want to serve the Lord, but, but, you know, and I'm thinking, wow. And we were just talking about how we need to back things up and get people like that who think beforehand, who young people who will say, you know what? Our marriage is going to be about a mission. Our marriage is going to be about the fact that we're here for God. So we are going to make different choices. We're going to set our life up in a way that gives us total freedom to do whatever God asks us of us. And that is a message I long to get out to people who haven't done it yet, who aren't stuck right now. There are a lot of there are a lot of couples who are trapped. Yes. They're ensnared. Yes. And it, there's nothing worse than not being able to tell the Lord I will do anything or go anywhere for you. That should be true of 
each of us, scary as it is, I'm not saying it's not. I'm fearful sometimes of what the Lord will ask me to do, but I'm more afraid of not being able to do what he asks me to do. Who are we here for? So, Lisa, as you and Francis started your marriage 21 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, How much on mission were you at that point? Did your marriage start with this agreement that you're going to be a part of the Great Commission, being a part of proclaiming Jesus Christ to a lost world? Yes. I think because it was almost unintentional in some ways, I don't think I personally was thinking about discipleship and really putting my my mindset intentionally on how many women I'm going to disciple and bring to the Lord. It was more we jumped onto this mission that God had given us in starting the church. So I thank God for that because I think in a way for me, it inadvertently put me on a mission. Our marriage started out that way. And then this growing sense of what we are here for and why we are here and the joy that came from all of a sudden we are pouring our lives out for these other people, loving them, discipling them. We were put in a position of leadership and we needed to lead. And so it was so good for me. I'm so grateful for it. But the intentional mindset grew. It wasn't so much for me there right in the beginning. Francis, what about you? Because of my upbringing and because my parents and everyone died at such a young age, I had a more of an eternal focus. I always just woke up thinking, okay, this could be my last day. What am I going to do? You know, let me do whatever the Lord wants me to do today. And so it was my focus, and I was trying to bring Lisa, who had had different upbringing. And again, no fault to her, no fault to her parents. I mean, that's a typical American church teaching is this is all about you and let us cater to your needs and what kind of programs do you want in the church? What do you, you know, it's all about you. And uh, so it's just, it, it was trying to get us deeply into the scriptures and say, no, what is this about? Why are we still alive? Why am I breathing right now? Someone's letting me breathe right now and I'm breathing for him. I want to do everything for his glory. So I did have some of that intensity in me from the onset, I think from a young age because of what God let me experience. Well, it's one thing for two people who have that passion individually to get married the, the blending of that together and making it our passion together as a couple as opposed to my passion and your passion and we share a supper table and a bed. Mm. How have you merged mission together in marriage? Yeah, you know, for me, I grew up, I wanted to be a singer. I, I sang in our church. I did some studio recording. So when we first, we'd been married maybe a few months, I was approached with this production deal, right? These guys were going to record me, produce me, put me out there. And um, I say that because I remember very expressly sitting on our bed that we now shared that this is my husband, that we have to make these decisions. I have to bring everything to him, with him. And I remember feeling like this is going to take us into totally separate ways. My mission, if you want to call that, or my dream was, I'm going to be a recording artist. I'm going to sing and get to travel and do this. And here was my husband who God had called to start a church. And and I felt the Lord very gently saying, you need to lay that down because I can't have you going in two separate directions. It makes no sense. And there was such a strong sense from me, from the Lord, 
that it was not the right thing to do. And it was a hard thing. And I remember sitting there crying. I don't know if you remember that moment. And Francis was almost quiet because he thought, I don't want to take away this girl's dream, this girl that I love. And he knew I was a singer. I sang at his church. That's the first time he saw me. I was singing. But it was a really strong resolve from the spirit, I think, that just said, don't go down two separate roads. You know, be on mission together. Don't have two separate things that you're doing that's going to pull you apart. If you think, and I know this is, no, no one knows, but if you think, had you made the other choice, let's say you decided, you know, let's just see where this goes and you do the church, I'm, I'm going to do the recording thing and we'll, how do, what do you think might have happened? I don't know what would have happened. I think what would have not happened is that we wouldn't have been so united by mm-hmm. our purpose. And I would have missed out on God moving and working through the both of us. And I would have missed out on being able to be in this supporting role that actually ended up bringing me a lot more blessing than what this limelight would have possibly given me. And so. I think years later as he would speak and then there was times I would come up and follow his message with a song. And I remember just feeling the joy of, wow, Lord, you've let me still use my gift for you. But in the context of joining my husband in ministry, rather than being down by myself, isolated on my own road. (laughs) I have to tell you just a quick story about Barbara and early in our marriage when we started having children. We had six and ten years not unlike you guys. And the ministry was growing at a rapid rate. And uh, Barbara had to come to a point, and she tells this story to moms frequently. And there's a big sigh of relief in the audience when she shares this. She said, I loved art. And there came a time in my life where I had to take all of my uh, art supplies and put them in a box and put them in the attic and set them aside. And as a man, I really was pretty clueless of what kind of sacrifice that represented for my wife. But she's an artist. Mm -hmm. You're an artist, a singer. And since the empty nest has occurred, I just want to give you a glimmer of hope here. You you have no way of knowing what God might be up to. The box in the attic came down Mm -hmm. and it got opened. And now Barbara is blessing families all over the world using her study of Scripture and the use of her talent, her artistic ability to recapture the holidays for teaching the great truths of the gospel in families and passing on to generations that follow the reason for the seasons of Christmas, Valentine's, Easter, Thanksgiving. She's using it. So your sacrifice today, Lisa, you never know. And especially with this husband, this crazy love husband of yours that you're married to, with him fanning the flames, you never know what might happen. Yeah, you know, that's encouraging because with our three-month-old, when he leaves the home and you're 65, <laughs> there could be a you record. could start your recording. There could yeah, be a I'm record deal for you right Seriously. There. Uh-huh. I can see it now. No, I, it's going to be cool then for I'll grandma. buy the first album. Yes. If Seriously. I'm still here. I I'll love the like touring If there grandmas. are still albums. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about for a moment just a person who's who's slugging out life as a couple and they're going, you guys are talking about mission. My, my husband and I, my wife and I don't know any of what you're talking about. How can they get started 
Francis, to begin to share, uh, and that's what I want them to catch. They'd be infected with a love for Christ, but also being locked arm, lockstep together as a couple, defined around that purpose of the Great Commission. And can they be on mission together if they're living in the suburbs and they've got two kids and, you know, kind of the ordinary life? Or does being on mission mean, no, you got to abandon it all and move somewhere else and live somewhere else in some other way? Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, because we live in the city and we did live in the suburbs and I believe that we were missional, but we, the, the idea is surrendering everything like we've talked about to say, God, this is your house. I mean, where do we see in scripture that you're allowed to not show hospitality and say, no, this is my home. No one else is allowed in it. I mean, but that's the mindset I had when we first got married, though, because I remember, you know, her even discipling a gal, you know, after five o'clock. And I was like, don't ever have her in our house after five, you know, because I believed in that whole lie that this home is protected uh, and, and I, we need our own time. My castle. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. And then, you know, you start reading scripture and go, where in the world would you get that? And we start letting people in the home and having people actually live with us and ministry was in the house and our kids saw it. And the kids saw the miracles in these people's lives and the life change and discipleship was happening 24 hours a day in our home. I mean, we were missional. We were praying and saying, God, what do you want us to do with this house? Do you want us to move into a bigger house so we can take more people in? Do you want us to sell the house, move into a smaller one and give the money away? Like everything is with an open hand. But I think that's what so few couples do is they don't say, Lord, what do you want? Instead, they think, what do we want? And how can I justify that biblically? Mm -hmm. So the starting place for being on mission is to say, it's not about me. It's about him. It's what do you want? But a lot of couples will say, well, but I I don't know what he wants because you know, I prayed and said, Lord, whatever you want, and, and I haven't heard anything yet. Yeah. Well, I would say open the book. Open the, not our book, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, open that one too. But, you know, the in the scriptures, I mean, there's so many things. This is where we're so messed up as a church here in America, you know, being hearers of the word and doing nothing. You know, we're waiting for this voice from the Lord. Well, true religion is to care for the widows and orphans in their distress. Go adopt a kid. Why don't you just assume adoption unless the Lord screams from heaven, no, stop, don't do it. Shouldn't we assume if this is true religion, then everyone should adopt? I I mean, I'm saying, why do we always defer to, you know, inaction? We just assume I'll do nothing until I hear a voice from heaven. No, just open the Bible, obey a verse, actually do it. And if there's a voice from heaven telling you, no, no matter what you do, don't help that widow, you know, then stop. But we, we do this opposite. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's no voice from heaven going to say, yeah, don't help yeah, that exactly. widow, right? Yeah, exactly. And what I want our listeners to hear, there's a lot of ways to go near the orphan. You can go to the foster care system. Yep. They're in desperate yes. need of foster care families. And frankly, the Church of Jesus Christ yes. ought to be emptying out Amen. the foster care yes. system of children in state after state around our country. I mean, you don't have to adopt. You can just provide a family. For some of these kids, it may be the only family yeah. in their lifetimes they ever see what real love is all about. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense to me that there are half a million foster kids that no one wants. And how many millions of churches are there? You know, it's it's like we've got over a million churches and we have half a million foster kids. That makes zero sense. So if every other church adopted one, we'd take care of it. 
But that's how pathetic it is right now. The most paralyzing thing, I think, for us as believers is fear. We're so afraid of what might happen. Well, what about my kids? What if I bring someone in, something happens to them? And I just want to encourage people that I'm just as afraid as you. And in fact, I told God, I do not want a teenage foster child. I believe that what's best for us and our family is to take someone that's younger. And what does the Lord bring to us last summer but a teenage foster child? She's 16 years old, and she has been the most amazing blessing. And if I talk about it for too long, I'll end up crying on the air, but just... You know, we cringe to think of saying no to that and what would have happened in her life. But I'm telling you, honestly, on the front side, I did not want to do that. But there's so much blessing in taking a step of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So take a step of faith, maybe even if it's not as grand as taking in a foster child, but do something that takes some faith. Go knock on your neighbor's door, bring them dinner, just say, I want to show some love to you. Do you need help? Can I help mow your lawn? Do some step of faith. Take some action. You just mentioned something there, and I appreciate so much your passion and tender heart about this because Barbara and I share that. We have gone near the needs of orphans repeatedly, and God shows up. When you get near the orphan, you find the heart of God. And it's a good thing because we're orphans too. Apart from the gospel adopting us into his family, we're spiritual orphans. Here's the question for both you, Lisa, and Francis. I like to ask people, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done in all your life? And courage is not battlefield courage necessarily. It's doing your duty in the face of fear. It's the very thing you were talking about. So what would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done, Lisa? The most courageous thing you can do is say yes to something God is asking you to do that you are afraid of. There have been so many times I scramble to think of which one to share. I think about the time when we invited a man who had been in prison for six years and his family of three kids, his wife and three kids, to move in with us, to give them our master bedroom, to move upstairs with our kids and share that bathroom with all of them. That took a little bit of courage and it took dying to ourselves, and it took saying, you can have my bedroom and my bathroom, which was, you know, in one sense so stupid and dumb, but felt hard. And Letting go of fear, letting go of fear, that's the most courageous thing to do. You know, if you're a scaredy cat like me, you have to preach the truth to yourself. You have to preach verses like 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I, I have to say the truth of God's word to myself all the time because I will limit myself and I will refuse to say yes to God and I will be consumed with anxiety and fear in all these situations. But no, that is not from God. He gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So choose to say yes to God and to love someone. And Francis, before you answer the question, that causes me to think of a quote that Bob loves, one of his favorite quotes about preaching to yourself. And I'm not going to have it exactly, but Martin Lloyd-Jones says the biggest problem we face is that we spend more time listening to ourselves than we do mm. preaching to ourselves. Yeah. We say, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? When we should be saying, what is God telling me? And and 
and counseling your soul, counseling your yeah. soul. Yes. And, and <laughs> but it, but as you're describing that, I'm thinking as a husband, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm supposed to protect my wife. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to. I, I'm responsible for providing for this family. And so, sweetheart, moving out of the upstairs bedroom, we're putting the prisoner and his family up there with the kids. There's just something about the. Are per- you are you are you saying Francis hasn't protected his family? Uh, well, how do you, you wrestle with that? Well, I do because we've had a lot of people live with us, but yeah. I could beat them all up until this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, honey, you're on your own. It's like, oh man, he would kill me, you know. So it it it, it was it was definitely scary. But on the flip side, let me say, you know, two and a half three years later. He is uh, running our ministry in San Francisco. He's dis- running your restaurant. Running our restaurant. It's head chef there. He's discipling like seven, eight different guys coming out of prison right now. He's a pastor. I mean, this is one of, one of my best friends now. Mm. So, yes, it was terrifying. But that's the way it always works, isn't it? You take that step of faith. And you have no regrets afterwards. I want to plug for the restaurant. What is it? Pokey Pokey or something? What's it called? Hooli Hooli. Hooli Hooli. Hawaiian San Francisco. Come on down. It's on 3rd Street, right? Yes, 3rd Street. (laughs) All right. Show up down there and tell them Family Life Today sent you. That's right. right. All right, Francis, what's your most courageous thing you've ever done? You know, it's it's funny. You know, a lot of those things did scare me a little bit, but I'm not really that afraid of dying or, you know, this or that. You'll probably be surprised by this, but probably the most courageous moments are when I'm sitting on a plane with a stranger or talking to a neighbor and I lay out the gospel one-on-one with them. That terrifies me. (laughs) That may just sound dumb to some people, but that's the hardest thing for me to be rejected and to just throw what out. I can stand in front of a hundred thousand people in a stadium. No big deal. You put me one-on-one with someone that I know is not used to hearing about Jesus, and I'm going to lay it out for them, it still scares me to this day. It still takes courage. You know how many people just went, oh, I'm so good to hear him <laughs> say that. Here's what I want to share with you. You're in good company. Yeah. yeah. You no, just, we just recently asked a guy that same question. Hmm. Not just any guy, but a NASA astronaut hmm. who was on the International Space Station. And I asked him, he's been to outer space twice. Hmm. So he's... He strapped a rocket <laughs> on and gone into outer space. He's he, he floated out in, in yeah. nothing with the space suit and the tentacles on him. You know? oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you with me? Yeah. Ask him the oh, same yeah. question. It's like you. He's going, sharing my faith in Jesus Christ yeah. is repeatedly the most courageous thing yeah. I ever do. Totally. And it's interesting. When I was younger, we didn't care for the poor. We didn't think about human trafficking, this or that. And so when we started doing that, it was a big deal. But now that's not really a scary thing to do. That's very accepted. You know, you're a hero if you do this. But you start sharing the gospel, you're going to get shut down. Especially today, huh? Amen. It's, it's times are changing. Well, I just want to applaud you two and your book because I, I think you properly paint marriage with its noble, transcendent, God-imbued purpose that were made in his image, designed to reproduce a godly legacy, preach the gospel to the next generation, and glorify him in all that we say and do. And I just am glad you're using marriage to promote that kind of thinking because I think that's what's missing today. Amen. And I just want to thank you guys for being in the battle and uh, Lisa, for following this guy, for saying yes to him 
And Cra- crazy Francis. Well, right? That's crazy love Francis. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe just drop the love part. I think crazy Francis. <laughs> but thank you guys for yeah, thanks all for you having do. us. Yes, thank you very much. We have got uh, copies of the book that Francis and Lisa have written together called uh, You and Me Forever. And, and we haven't mentioned the video. If people haven't seen the music video that the two of you did called You and Me Forever... Uh, we've got a link at familylifetoday.com. Go to our website, familylifetoday.com. Click the link that says Go Deeper in the upper left-hand corner of the screen. And there's a link for your book, so you can order a copy of the book from us online. And there's a link for the music video. And you can see uh, Francis doing his best gangsta rap uh, imitation. It's the You and Me Together music video. Go to familylifetoday.com to see it. If you'd like to order a copy of the book by phone, call 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And let me also mention, Dennis, that um, with with Francis and Lisa being here and with the fact that our anniversary as a ministry is coming up in 2016, our 40th anniversary our team thought uh, it would be a good idea to make available a special offer to any couple who would like to help us celebrate our 40th anniversary by helping to make sure that more anniversaries in your community happen next year. Uh, We're looking for folks who would agree to host an Art of Marriage event in your church or in your community in 2016 And if you will agree to take five couples through this material and go ahead and order the the workbooks for the five couples, we will send along with the workbooks a a free DVD kit that's got everything you need to be able to host the Art of Marriage in your church or in your community in 2016. And we're hoping you will take more than five couples through the material. We hope you'll open it up to the whole church and get lots of people to come Friday night, Saturday, some great Bible teachings, some compelling stories and uh, dramatic vignettes. I mean, there's just a lot in the art of marriage. And in fact, we've had more than 600,000 people go through this video event. But we're hoping in 2016, our 40th anniversary, we would see tens of thousands more people exposed to this content. And to make that happen, we need you as a couple to say, we'll host this in our church or in our community. And again, if you do that, we'll send you the DVD kit for free. As long as you go ahead and buy workbooks for the first five couples, you're going to take through the material. Go to familylifetoday.com, click the link in the upper left-hand corner that says Go Deeper, and look for the Art of Marriage Anniversary Offer And start making plans now for January, February, March, whenever is the best time for you in 2016 to host one of these Friday night, Saturday video events in your community. Finally today, a quick word of thanks to those of you who make Family Life Today possible. This ministry is supported by listeners like you who are not just listeners, but you are donors to the ministry. You send an occasional contribution, uh, either as a legacy partner giving each month or from time to time, pitching in to help with the cost of producing and syndicating this program. If you can help with the donation today, we'd like to say thank you by sending you our 2016 Family Life Prayer Calendar. 
Each month, there's a different theme for prayer and for discussion in your family right there on the calendar. And it actually starts with October of 2015. So get in touch with us and we'll get the calendar out to you as you make a donation to help support this ministry. You can do that online at familylifetoday.com. Click the link that says I Care in the upper right-hand corner of the screen or call 1-800-FL-TODAY. Make your donation over the phone. Or you can mail your donation to Family Life Today at Box 7111, Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72223. Now, tomorrow, we're going to hear some very practical counsel on how to have a great relationship with your in-laws in marriage. It is possible, and Tommy Nelson is going to give us some thoughts on how to make it happen. Hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.